Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. In the 1990s, I was elected secretary of the family club. I took that role very seriously because that's the kind of person I am. If somebody said to you, anyone in the room, like, can you name a good place for breakfast within an hour of Philadelphia? Um, Just a show of hands, how many people would naturally say the Trenton Airport? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Laura Wexler. And I am Jessica Hankin. This week on the podcast, huge holiday gatherings, two tales, from a time long, long ago when we could gather in large numbers for the holidays. We hope these stories warm your heart and ease your soul. Because we can't gather in large numbers, we invite you to our holiday virtual variety show, which will be broadcast live on Saturday, December 12th. We'll have stories, comedy sketches, music, and magic. You can find out more at stoopstorytelling.com. But before we get started with the stories today, we want to thank the Park School of Baltimore, which is an independent co-ed progressive pre-K through grade grade 12 school located just minutes from the city. So the first story that we're going to um, have for you today is from Maura Taylor, who had told a story many years ago and uh, returned uh, to the stage last December to share um, a story about, you know, gathering with large amounts of people indoors uh, with her family, um, a tradition that they had every year, basically of her life. So uh, take a listen to Maura's story. When I was a small child, I loved family meetings. I loved getting together with my cousins. I had no idea then that the parliamentary procedure that I was somehow learning was going to help me in my governance career later in life. In the 1990s, I was elected secretary of the family club. I took that role very seriously because that's the kind of person I am. I kept track of family events, the birthdays. I sent out quarterly family newsletters. I now administer the family club Facebook page as we're moving into this new century. In, in 2015, After a a formal motion was passed and through a lot of discussion, we moved family Christmas dinner away from Christmas Day and onto a weekend in December with quite a bit of grumbling, I might add, from some older generations and even some younger ones. And I have to admit it was difficult for me as well because I couldn't imagine not spending Christmas at the hall. Well, you know, we all don't live in West Baltimore anymore. People's lives get complicated. Our family got a lot bigger. And so we realized that in order to maintain this tradition that was so very dear to us, we had to tweak it. And so that's what we did. Now, my Uncle Joe and I, he's 93, one of the charter members, we have an ongoing debate about what was the actual starting year of the family club. Last year, I decided it was our 70th anniversary. And I wanted to make it special family meeting was called, motions were made, assignments were given, we rented the Ferndale Ferndale Volunteer Fire Department Hall, 
I created a special invitation, family club trivia, gathered pictures of all my family members, and, and, and we were off and running. Now, then I, then I began to go through a treasure trove of family club minutes. Yes, we kept formal minutes. These date back to the early 50s. They're tight. Yeah, and as, as I was reading through them, I learned that the purchase of whiskey and beer, high priority, worthy of a lot of discussion in my family. We're a big Irish family. That's what we talk about. And in 1953, it was so specific that we had to purchase a gallon of Mogan David wine. It was noted in the minutes. Later, there was an official motion to purchase two-fifths of whiskey. As I dug through the receipts, I found out that in 1971, we spent $110 renting the hall and $108 on beer. (laughs) That must have been quite a year. Quite a year. Nowadays, it's BYOB. And, and then there's the food. Well, in the early days, a lot of the food was purchased, actually, and then some prepared. But when I was a little girl, it was mostly prepared. And when I, if I just close my eyes, I can put myself right back in that hot hall kitchen with my grandmother and my aunts and my mom and all the female relatives cooking up our Christmas dinner while the men set the table and ran the bar. Now we do a potluck dinner but it has to absolutely include turkey, mashed potatoes, and cranberry sauce. Otherwise, my Uncle Walt says it's not real Christmas dinner. One year, we tried to pitch heavy hors d'oeuvres. That was vetoed. (laughs) So back to last year. The planning was in full throttle. Everything was set to go. And then on November 10th, I unexpectedly lost my dad. Now, my dad loved the family club, having become an official member in 1962. Well, the world around me was falling apart, but Christmas needed to happen. I knew it needed to happen because it has been the glue that's held my family together quite literally for generations. And honestly, last year, I really needed that big Irish family. So on December 8th, we gathered, and my heart was full as I watched my 93-year-old Aunt Mary flitting around the room, delighted every time she found a picture of herself. She wasn't so interested in everyone else. (laughs) Let me tell you. The the, the family club trivia was set. The older generation, sure they were going to win. And Santa was on the way. That's right, folks. I forgot to mention, Santa has been coming to my family Christmas for 70 years. My Uncle Joe led us off in prayer, as he always does, and about 75 of us, four generations, gathered and had dinner together. Santa gave out gifts to excited little ones. My cousin Donna's team surprised everyone by winning family club trivia. Pictures were taken and carols were sung. This weekend, my family will be gathering at the Halethorpe Community Center for our 71st or so, depends on if you talk to Uncle Joe or me, and <laughs> Christmas dinner. And at last count, there's around 60 of us and four generations. We will all be grateful and in that moment for that quirky idea that my grandmother, her six siblings, and their seven and their spouses had more than 70 years ago to officially establish the Family Christmas Club, complete with formal meetings and bylaws, 
because it set up a structure and laid a foundation for future generations of my family that has kept us together and held this tradition, which, as my Aunt Betty says, makes us a remarkable family. So, on behalf of my remarkable Irish family, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you. And if any of you are looking to set up a family club, I've got a really good example of bylaws for you. Thank you. Oh. I've always I've always wanted a huge family. So like a story like this is just like simultaneously so wonderful to listen to and a dagger in the heart that it's like, <laughs> no, I have nothing that even resembles this, you know? Yeah. I yeah, that's definitely I definitely also covet the huge family. And I was hoping to marry into you kind of married into a big family, right? But it's not like this, this is like I mean, this family has staying power, oh, yeah. you know, well, they, yeah, I they mean, stayed in the same area too, which I think yeah. makes a big difference. A ton yeah. of them were at the show. Remember that? She had like yeah. 40 people in the audience. <laughs> I, yeah. And just like everyone seems sort of mutually committed to keeping it going where I feel like most families, I know there'll be like one or two people who are like, yes, we care about these rituals. We must keep them going. And the rest of the people are like, eh you know, take it or leave it. Yeah. It's just the tailors, um, they're committed. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really awesome. I wonder what they're doing this year. I wonder how oh, they're going to handle it. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I just feel like you couldn't really replicate that on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah, no, no. Before we get on to this next uh, huge hol- holiday gathering tale, we want to thank two sponsors that have been terrific supporters of the soup podcast. The first is Golden West, which is an omni restaurant with a vegan forward menu. They are located on the Avenue in Hamden and they feature delicious Southwestern classics. They have a late night carryout window and they are keeping people fed throughout this pandemic. So please do support them. And our other sponsor that's been so terrific is Baltimore Magazine, which chronicles and celebrates this complicated city of Baltimore and so you can pick up your copy on the newsstand or you can find them at baltimoremagazine.com. Okay so our second storyteller for today's show is Cliff Murphy who is a folklorist, a musician, and a generally exhausted dad. He lives in Baltimore with his wife and he has four kids and he also works for the federal government to support folk life and cultural heritage. Take a listen. Our first married Christmas um, in Philadelphia, <laughs> there I hear some knowing chuckles. So our first married Christmas in Philadelphia, um, it was I, I was the new guy, right? And everybody was having to adjust to the new guy. And and somebody, you know, there's kind of two parts of the family, right? There's the family, the the big chunk that lives in Philly, and then there's the big chunk that lives in Trenton, New Jersey. And, uh, and so this Christmas, uh, you know, somebody had said, hey, let's all get together and let's get a post-Christmas buffet somewhere, right? So now, if somebody said to you, anyone in the room, like, can you name a good place for breakfast within an hour of Philadelphia? Um, just a show of hands, how many people would naturally say the Trenton Airport, <laughs> right? So... 
That was a, a bad idea coming down the pike. So, you know, I, I got over my car sickness roughly around the time that I was 20, I think. I guess that's when you stop seeing a pediatrician, right? That was kind of, you know, it for me. So, but like any childhood trauma, these things kind of periodically like creep back into your life, right? They're like, hello, I'm still in here, right? So anyhow, so I get in, the, I get in my father-in-law's car in Philadelphia. I'm like an oversized man-child in the back seat, And we start driving to Trenton. And, and there's my old childhood affliction. It's starting to creep up in my belly. And I'm, you know, I get that pre-vomit tingle, which is followed by the pre-vomit sweat, right? And so by the time, by the time we've pulled into the, 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 the parking lot of, of the General's Quarters, perhaps you've heard of that restaurant, uh, I was, I was a wreck and through some act of God, I hadn't gotten sick. Right. So we walk into the general's quarters. It's a buffet breakfast. And I don't know about you, but when I don't feel good, the sight and smell and, and kind of quivering texture of of big pans of scrambled eggs is, is that is not my thing, right? I just, uh. so I do what anybody would do. And I make a beeline for the chocolate cake and the bacon, right? And so, you know, the, the family, extended family is feasting on, on, on all the eggs. And I've got my, my bacon and I've got my cake and I eat it, and it settles my stomach, because that's, that's what happens, right? So we talk about the eagles. We talk about, you know, traffic. We all have a good time, get back in the car, drive back to Philadelphia. So we're there for a couple hours, no problems driving home. I'm not sick anymore. And I don't know, after about a couple hours, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting there together, because that's what you do. And, uh, and my, my brother-in-law, John, runs down the hall. And, and I want to emphasize the word runs um, there. Uh, now, there's, there's, a, there's a metrics system for, for bathroom going, right? So, like, we all know this, right? Like, in polite company, there's number one and number two, right? Now, there's a dark side to, to, to the metric system, which is that there are numbers after one and two. And so I love, I love my brother-in-law, John. He's well known in the family for a weak stomach. And, and what I mean is he's, he's familiar with number three. And, and so he's in the bathroom and my wife is on the other side of the door asking if he's okay. And by this point, he's feeling number three and number four. And pretty soon, my wife is as well, and and then my mother-in-law. And so, they're, my mother-in-law and my wife are very selfless, empathetic people. And so, you know, my brothers-in-law and my father-in-law were like, well, maybe it's sympathy sickness. Like, maybe they just feel badly for Johnny, and like, 
Well, then my father-in-law goes down, and then my brother-in-law Frank goes down. And, and so by New Year's Eve morning, it's me and Joe, right? We're the only ones left standing. And, and at this point, you know, new guy here, right? Like, I'm running out to, I'm like showing my worth, right? Like, as the new guy, I'm, I'm buying toilet paper, I'm, I'm buying Pedialyte, right? I'm making sure everybody's hydrated, and and I realize I haven't seen I haven't seen Joe in a little bit. And at this point, Monica's feeling a little bit better, and she's like, "Hey, where's where's Joe?" I was like, "I don't know. I haven't seen that guy in a while." So she runs upstairs, and there he is. He's 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 a a a, a big man, uh, you know, the the kind of uh, brother-in-law that men of my size tend to quake when they see a, a person of of this size and there so monica finds joe and he's fully naked on the floor of the bathroom begging god for mercy <laughs> and so a little while later after proving my my value while also kind of worrying that the family thinks i've poisoned them um <laughs> The, the phone rings, and it's the Trenton relatives, right? And, and they're like, hey, uh, hey, how you guys feeling over there? And it turns out 39 out of 40 of us got food poisoning. And I was the only one who didn't. And that is the miracle of that particular Christmas, <laughs> which... For those of you who need a takeaway message is that when in doubt, stick with bacon and chocolate cake and you are good to go. from Culture Club saying, feed the world. There are 11 million people starving in one country. Doesn't it make you think? Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, so not only did they gather in a large group inside, but then everyone got sick. <laughs> yes, except Liv, who was already nauseous from the, which I totally identify with the motion Motion sickness. sickness. Yeah, oh my God. So the that chocolate is- cake remedying. Yeah. <laughs> Although for me, it's always Coke and Fritos. That's what works. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's probably. Yeah, it's like the it's the caffeine. It's it's the um, fizz. It's the salt and the green. Does that also help with a hangover? Yeah, sort of. Although I would substitute a McGriddle for the Fritos. <laughs> do those still exist? I don't know, but they should. They're so good. No, I do think they. I do. I actually think they are permanent. They're not like the, you know, they're not like the Mick pizza or whatever, you know, the yeah. thing that was just there. The podcast. Um, can, yeah. can we talk about, is Mick Griddle, is it like, is it like two slabs of pancakes with sausage yes. and egg? Is that what? Yeah, it's so good. And the pancake has, the maple syrup is like baked into it. <laughs> so it, it, it's just hitting every one of your flavored G-spots all at once. Really wow. 
That's so it's gross. It's good, but all yeah. I think I never not I've never had it when I have not been hungover, so I'm not sure what it would be like in a regular state. Yeah, this is. Um, but I can check on that and report back to everybody. <laughs> yeah, you should get one now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go get one right now. Um, all right, anyway, but before I go get my McGriddle, we want to thank the wine stores. Um, they're located at 36. 01 Elm Avenue, also in Hamden. They've been wonderful to the soup and they've been a great place uh, to pick up snacks and drinks and everything uh, during the pandemic. And we also, again, want to remind you that we have a virtual holiday show this coming Saturday, December 12th. You can find out more at soupstorytelling.com, but we would love it if you would check that out. We want to thank Maureen Harvey, who has persisted in producing this podcast through the worst working conditions in the world, <laughs> which is us. Um, and we will see you all back here in a few weeks. Happy holidays. <laughs>